said, if people out there in the world don't understand that we're digital brand by 2022, then we've done something wrong. Siemens wanted to show that transition and we created an audio gradient, if you will. We recorded analog instruments, then synthesized them like over time in, in a few seconds. That was uh, like a principle which when we listened to it, we'd never heard before. We thought this is pretty unique. Let's use that as a constant element in the audio branding. And everybody really loved it. And what was really great about it, that they were really open for, you know, going like a 360 degrees implementation. They're using it at events. They're using it in their telephone hold lines. They're using it, obviously, in, in all, a lot of the social content that they put out. We had, it was a lot of work, but amazing client and amazing team. Welcome to the Sound and Marketing Podcast. In this episode, we talk with Alex Woodrich, founder of Why Do Birds, an audio branding agency based in Berlin, Germany. Alex has been in the sound and marketing industry for well over a decade and formed Why Do Birds to specifically focus on sound about 10 years ago. I discovered his agency a couple years ago and was blown away by not only their work, but the way they go about designing it. The time and thought that goes into their creation is absolutely wonderful. Alex and his team have the it factor in my opinion, and I've included sound samples within these two interview episodes for you to hear personally the sounds that we're referencing. So sit back and enjoy part one of my interview with Alex. Today I'm joined by Alexander Woodrich from Why Do Birds. Welcome to the Sound and Marketing Podcast, Alexander. Yes, hello. He's in Berlin right now and I'm in California, so he's ending his day and I'm starting mine. Well, you have no idea when my days end. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> so why don't we, since uh, I know a lot of my listeners are actually from the U.S. and you are based in Europe, why don't you tell a little bit about yourself and what Why Do Birds does? Yeah, sure. Uh, no problem. Um, yeah, so I'm Alex. I founded the agency Why Do Birds about 10 years ago. And um, the main focus is audio branding. It's something that I've been involved with for about 15 years already, because before I started um, doing audio branding here with Why Do Birds, I was working at a corporate design and branding agency and was started out doing classical, you know, corporate design work for clients like Volkswagen and Audi. And um, at some point that in that agency, we had the idea that, as we all know now, that brands do not just communicate uh, with vision and pictures and we were people who have five senses. And so we were thinking about other senses to use to communicate brand values. And sound came up and um, that was fascinating to me right from the first moment because I'm a very musical person myself. I played instruments, I've played in bands all my life. So when we had the chance to start uh, like an audio branding uh, unit at that agency, uh, I was all for that. And the incredible thing was, is as soon as we started, um, it took, I don't know, six months or so, and we had amazing clients uh, who wanted to work with us. It was clients like Lufthansa or uh, DHL. And so we're very, very fortunate. So I did that for about five years at that agency and time came when I thought, okay, um, I want to like do that on my own, not my own, but like have my own company and do that. 
And uh, so that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years on All Your Branding with White Birds. And uh, over the years, um, we've added uh, other senses as well. <laughs> so <laughs> we have some designers here, graphic designers, motion designers, you know, sound always goes hand in hand with uh, moving images so I think that's the I think that's the main intention with uh, sonic branding and sound design and everything is that it's not that sound stands on its own but visual doesn't stand on its own and you know one sense doesn't stand on its own it's all five senses I, I was curious also how did you come up with the name why do birds <laughs> um, actually, that, that is uh, closely linked to what we've just said. Um, we like the metaphor with the birds because uh, if you look at a bird or different types of birds, they all have a very, very beautiful corporate design, if you will, because they tell them apart by the, the colors of the feathers and um, they're easy to distinguish. But not everybody can, but it's possible. You can also tell them apart by, by what they sing and what they sound like. So each type of bird has their own, uh, you know, song. Uh, we like that idea because a lot of brands out there just think about their visual design. We thought, why not? Why doesn't everybody do it like the way birds do it? You know, think mm -hmm. about the uh, visual and the audio. So that was our metaphor of bringing that together. And then, um, and then there's also a nice song. It's called Close to You. And it starts with the line, why do birds? I don't know if you've ever heard the song. Why do birds? Oh, yeah. I love that song. <laughs> That's a nice song that was um, written by Bert Bacharach back in the 60s, made famous by Carpenters around 1970 or 72. So that's very, a lot of people just, you know, when we tell them the name, they say, oh, that, that puts a song in my ears straight away. But, you know, it's not, it's not that obvious, but it's obvious enough for some people. There's also, I was listening to something recently and they were talking about how, um, the way that we use alarms and notifications tie back to a bird call. And yeah. you, you would hear a bird call in the and wild the and you'd know that a predator was there. So yes. the alarm is telling you something is changing. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, so it's all about sending messages, conveying messages, the use of sound. The, the first time that I discovered you guys was with your uh, Siemens campaign. And I was just blown away. I thought that it was so brilliant how you came up with the, um, the sonic identity that you did, how you came about it. Could you, you kind of explain to the audience uh, what you did? Of course. I mean, um, <laughs> it's, it's, I, I like it talking about sound and not being really able to, to demonstrate it. The inter interesting thing was when we started with Siemens, the, uh, the initial thing was that they just had a big redesign and repositioning of their brand. And uh, in the past, Siemens, I mean, Siemens is a very technologically driven, engineer driven uh, company. And more than 80% of the employees are all engineers. And um, they've had a sound branding before we started to work with them. And they were wondering, should they keep it? Should they do something else? And, but they would, um, in the past, there was so much because they said, okay, we're all engineers, we need a very technical sound. That's how they started back 15 years ago. And it wasn't very emotional and um, it didn't really sound all that pleasant. The change that came was that they said, we need to open up towards society. In the past, you know, the engineers came up with products and handed them over to marketing and marketing had to sell them because the engineers said, hey, look, I had a great idea. 
but that's not how the world works anymore. The CEO said, well, guys, we need to change. There's problems out there in society, and if we have the best uh, engineers in the world, then maybe we should rather see if we can find solutions to real problems. And this change of perspective to not looking on the inside, but looking on the outside was what set the whole, got the whole process moving. So it was our task to show that Siemens is opening up to the public, to, to people. Proximity was an important aspect. So we, we said, okay, let, let's work with voices and have it like we have a female voice singing the main motive in, this, in the Sonic logo. There's a little bits and pieces of uh, vocals all over the music. And we said, how much closer can you get to people and, and just using people and using their voices? So that was one main main aspect. And it was actually quite quite big step for Siemens because uh, not just it's not just 80% engineers in the company, but also more than 80% are like male employees. When when they liked the sound, they were um, they said, oh, it's, it's great, we love it. Um, but they were also worried at first, uh, how are the employees going to respond to Siemens going, you know, in a female direction? But luckily, everybody liked that. That was one one main um, component of the sound. Another one is um, that we showed the transition from um, Siemens turning from analog to digital. They said, if people out there in the world don't understand that we're a digital brand by 2022, then we've done something wrong. So they wanted to show that transition. And we, what we did, we, we created an, an audio gradient, if you will. We recorded analog instruments and uh, then synthesized them like over time in, in a few seconds. So if you had an piano chord played and that morphed into a digital sound within a few seconds. Or we played a viola and that morphed into a digital size of sound and that was like a principle which when we listened to it we'd never heard before we thought this is pretty unique um let's use that as a i don't know like a constant uh, element in the audio branding and uh, everybody really loved it uh, yeah so we're, i'm really happy like that there's lots of ideas in, in, in the sound and in the music and what was really great about it that they were really open for you know going like a 360 degrees implementation. They're using it at events, they're using it in their telephone hold lines, they're using it uh, obviously in all, uh, a lot of the social content that they put out. We, uh, it was a lot of work but amazing client and amazing team on their side as well. And I love that it kind of became the DNA, the, mm -hmm. the foundation of what their sound was came from a mnemonic but it was built out from that like you were explaining uh, and just touching on all different usages for their brand and I feel that that's like that's the penultimate to me if a brand can figure out how to make a sound or or a musical phrase work throughout rather than just a, a one-off sound for one or two things I think yes. that's the key um to to, yeah. to making it successful yeah I mean creating mnemonics or sonic logos it's really a pain if you um this is a big advice for everybody out there working in that industry <laughs> don't let yourself get into the position where you need to present a sonic logo to a client because uh, you have no chance if you enter a room and you have i don't know three alternative two seconds long piece of music you're not going to reach anybody because 
within two seconds, you have no chance to convince anybody of anything. People will hear it and say, oh, can I hear it again? And they say, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think that's it yet, whatever, you know. You need to come from a bigger thing. You need to come like, you know, from a music piece, from sound moods, from ideas, snippets of this and that. And then at the end, you put it all together and the, um, the result then might be a sonic logo. But don't try with just a sonic logo. It's really, really a pain. How much involvement did the company have in creating the the sound DNA? Was it was it mostly your creative? They just kind of spoke some words and <laughs> and you came up with something, or was it hand in hand? Well, yeah. To tell you the truth, I mean, um, there's you know when we start, we need to know a lot about the brand. We need to uh, dig deep into like the history and heritage and, and what they do, what their products do. So we need to do that at first. And then we sit together with the client and we do workshops. And in, in those workshops, I think that's a lot of collaboration already because that's where we decide where, where the tonality of the brand should be. You know, what should it sound like in general? Is it, I don't know, is it warm? Is it cold? Is it rhythmic? Is it dynamic, loud, whatever? That's all decided together in the workshop. Then we take all these inputs and all that discussion material, bring that home to our office or our studio, and then we sit down together here and see what we can do with it creatively. I mean, and that's something uh, where the client's not really here, but the client comes back when we have the first sonic ideas, when we have the first moods, then we play to them and explain the ideas behind it. And then, um, yeah, that's, that's when they come back and give their feedback. So it is a bit of a hand-in-hand process, but it's not like a, we never really have a client or we don't, um, that the client does sit together with us in the studio because uh, he wanted to, but usually they're not in the studio with us working on the creative ideas. That's our part. That might slow down the process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It also takes out the creativity because you need, you need time yes. right in the team and mm-hmm. uh, and you know it's not always about you know when the clients say everything is, has to look good <laughs> <laughs> exactly the right food and the right drinks <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um did you have any you know besides the executive team saying yes no maybe this way did you have any kind of a b testing any focus groups that went on i know this is in 2016 2017 so i'm not sure how prevalent that was Oh, yeah. Um, Siemens was, was very particular in that because uh, we have a lot of clients when they like the ideas from us and they say, oh, wow, well, we're not going to give that into like, I don't know, market testing. But Siemens was very um, keen on that. They said, actually, they, they said we need to do it. They, they would have avoided it if they wouldn't have had to do it. But they said, we need to know what people think in North America. We need to know what people think in Asia. And so they were focus groups um, all over the world and uh, with our sound. And it's always a little bit frightening because, you know, you've created something and then you sort of like lose control. You have no idea um, what happens next. Mm-hmm. And so we were very, very happy that after the, we got the results from the market testing from all over the world, the result was that we didn't have to change anything. Wow. And that was pretty amazing. And before they went like into all that uh, global testing, they said, well, uh, let's, do, let's check it internally first. We'll ask 
our lead agencies for design will ask uh, guys from the um, arts department. They asked um, the people from the events uh, who are responsible for the events worldwide for fairs. So they were all brought together and they all had to give their feedback on the concept and the ideas. And everybody was completely positive. It's, it's no lie. <laughs> it's, it happened and that makes... So what, what you actually, what you hear when you, when you hear all our stuff, it's a completely unaltered concept. It's, it's what we came up with first. We only had one draft. We only had one idea and that became the final result after a few months of work and testings. So, uh, you know, as we, as we stated, you're in Europe, I'm in North America right now. Uh, do you tend to get more European uh, clients or are they more global or is it more the European arm of a global company how, how does it usually work because I know that you know sonic branding and sound uh, marketing is kind of a new idea so I feel like Europe is a little ahead of America at this point but I could be wrong I would say that about 50% of our clients are German clients and uh, it's been very exciting that we've been approached from brands and companies from all over the world. Um, we, we've, we're just working uh, at this moment, working for a client in India. I'll be flying over on Sunday. Uh, at the end of last year, I spent three months traveling back and forth to Abu Dhabi, where we've got clients in Russia, in China, <laughs> Korea. So it's been amazing how much traveling we've been doing. I mean, it's a lot in Europe, but it's, it's getting more and more on, actually on the eastern side of the world. Um, uh, as far as North America is concerned, we've, we've been working for Gore-Tex. I love the music that Alex and his team came up with for Siemens, and to hear how well received it was from every aspect just shows that they've got something figured out. I'm excited to hear more from this company in the coming years. Join us next week when we conclude our interview with Alex Woodridge. We'll have another example of their work on the Hyundai Pavilion sound design for the 2018 Winter Olympics in South Korea. If you liked this episode of the Sound and Marketing Podcast and want more, you can follow and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Stitcher. And don't forget to share it with all of your friends. To get a hold of Alex at Why Do Birds, you can find him at www.whydobirds.de/en/. For inquiries on producing and developing your own podcast or for inquiries on sonic branding and sonic branding consultation availabilities, you can find me at Dreamer Productions. That's D-R-E-A-M-R productions.com, LinkedIn, and Facebook. You can also email me at Gina, J-E-A-N-N-A, at dreamerproductions.com. All links will be provided in the show notes. This episode was produced by Dreamer Productions and hosted, written, and edited by me, Gina Isham. Let's make this world of sound more intriguing, more unique, and more and more on brand. <laughs>